1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Revoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is
2: Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain and make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on
3: Instagram, you young kids, at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to all of our episodes old and new on the Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify.
2: Today's guest has crafted some of the most iconic moments in the American theater. With his beginnings as an actor, he appeared on Broadway in *Greece*, Musical Chairs, and The Rink, and then he shifted to Direction, for which his work has been acknowledged with nine Tony nominations and one Emmy nomination. His
3: directorial credits include And the World Goes Round, Steel Pier, The Little Dog Laughed, Curtains, Tootsie, and Revivals of Flora the Red Menace, She Loves Me on the 20th Century, Kiss Me Kate, and 1776, to name just a few.
2: us what it was like to work with such folks as john kander fred ebb cheetah rivera susan stroman alec baldwin philip bosco david Yazbek, and so many more here is one of broadway's busiest directors scott ellis scott how are you today
0: i'm great really really great to be with both of you
2: we are so happy to have well, thank you thank you scott when do you sleep because it's so, I'm just, I'm just so curious. Are you you need like an hour a night? Two
0: kids, room? twins. Two kids, two kids. Hey, listen, I had two. Uh, yeah, two kids. I by the way, I had them by myself before I met my husband. Uh, so I had them uh, at, for eight months, and that was like a c- crazy time. Listen um, yourself. Yeah, Kevin, you know what what you're going through now. So times two. So, but yes, I uh, yes. Li- listen. Luckily, I love what I do. So both as a parent and as as a director, so, I'm, I'm I'm lucky. Did you
2: always know that directing was going to be the ultimate path? You wanted to get on, and acting was just a route to get there. How did How did you fall in love with this?
0: I don't know if it was always something that I thought. Oh, I'm going to absolutely. Do this because I went to school as an actor, or Goodman School of Drama, which is now the Theater School of DePaul. And uh I'm I always say I'm really happy I was an actor because I understood the other side of, of the table. And that's a really something that's I, I, I take it as a gift because I having been an actor, I know what actors go through. I have a communication uh shorthand because I've been on the other side. So no, I got interested. Uh, I just got interested in a very l- long way. I, I was, it was something that I, I... I remember I was taking class with U- Uta Hagen, and she said, you're in this class to become director-proof. And I went, oh, that's sort of interesting. And she said, there'll be a lot of directors who won't be able to help you, so you're going to have to learn how to... Answer questions and do your work. And I remember thinking, "Oh man, if I was director, I wouldn't want to be one of those directors. I yeah. want to be a director <laughs> the other side." So, I think something in my head was just in the very back of my mind, something like, "Oh, I might be interested in doing this."
2: So, when did you fall in love with acting?
0: I fell in love with acting when I was a kid. You know, I always knew I wanted to be an actor until I wanted to be a director. Yeah. But uh, yeah, ever since I was whenever I don't remember when I didn't want to be. And I was lucky to have parents who were very supportive and. I said I don't want a degree. I want to go to an acting school right from high school, and they said go. So wow, it was a, a really where did lucky you, thing for me. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, right outside. I was born in D.C., grew up right outside of uh, in Virginia, and uh, so I had I had D.C. to to fall in love with theater, the Kennedy center arena stage. These are places that, you know, those were the days when you actually took field trips and you went there, and the schools went there. And so I, uh, that's where I loved it.
2: And do you remember any like iconic performances or productions you saw in this, in these formative years over in DC that made you go, Oh yeah, that's it.
0: Oh wow. If
2: I could only that's be as good question. as that or work with that.
0: Person. Uh, uh, I think, um, wow. That's such a good question. I, I remember going to see uh, a production of uh, "Death of a Salesman" at Arena Stage, thinking, "Wow, that's that's unbelievable to, to see that play." And then later on, "Raisin." I don't know if you remember musical yeah. called "Raisin" based on "Raisin" that's on, which started at Arena, and I remember sitting in the audience as a young kid thinking oh that's that's something that i want to do so and the, yeah.
2: and when you were growing up were you doing both plays and
0: musicals in high school or one more than the other yeah you know and in, 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 yes yes we actually were you probably lean a little bit more to, to plays i mean to musicals but yes we did both we had a, we i went to a high school this is crazy with two Two drama teachers. That's two full-time drama teachers. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was junior high through high school, but there were two drama teachers, and that's all they did was theater. And so that's what I got lucky. I grew up with that. You know, that's no longer the case, but that's what it was when I went to school. So, do you remember the first time you traveled up to New York? Yes, of course I did. I was in seventh grade, and my dad gave me a, a, my Christmas present. I'm an identical twin, so it was a big deal on several things. First of all, I was separated from my twin, and we weren't doing something together, because we were always, as you're a twin, you always do stuff together. So it was a big deal that I was just going to go with my dad. And we, uh, we went up on the train, and we saw two shows. We saw uh, The Fantastics. It was the first time ever in new york i remember coming out of penn station going oh my god look at this place i went to see fantastics and i was so disappointed because it was so small and so tiny i thought what this is this yeah. this thing? and the next night i went to see 1776 and that was like oh okay and what's incredible about that and i'll never forget both of those experiences i was a young kid you know and and i just thought this is what i want to do and years later. A, I got to work with uh, Tom and Harvey on... uh, First, I was in 110 in the Shade at the York Theatre Company. So I got to work with them. And then later on, uh, for the City Opera, I did 110 in the Shade. So I got to work with them. And and I got to tell that story. My first show I ever saw was The Fantastics. And then years and years later, I'm sitting in tech for Steel Pier at the richard rogers theater and i'm sitting just thing i'm thinking wow this is such a gorgeous theater and i go back up and there's the soundboard that has been taken out and there were all these programs that were left behind and i started flipping through them during tech and all of a sudden i looked and went oh, oh my god 1776 i saw 7076 here i got up i walked i sat in the exact seat that i sat with my dad watching that show and if someone would have you know tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey buddy, you're gonna be back here in umpteen years directing a new Cander at Ebb show. I mean, come on, what? Not in a not in a million years. So that was a, a
3: pretty perfect moment. Let alone the first revival of 1776. And then as
0: well, and I got to tell geez. Peter that story. And so that was the first show I ever did. And, and it was a, a major revival on Broadway. So that is, a,
2: that is yeah. a beautiful, beautiful moment.
0: Yeah, it's, beautiful. it's
2: pretty cool. So your parents were totally supportive of you saying, hey, I want to go pursue a career in the arts. That is like a needle I'm in a haystack. God bless you for them. God bless them for yeah. that. What did they yeah. do for yeah. a living?
0: My father was a lawyer, very, you know, Republican, conservative lawyer. Uh, it, I always said to my dad, I said, how, we have five kids. I said, how does it feel that every time you walk into a voting booth that your five kids are going to come right behind you and vote exact opposite of what you just did? That was that was a whole <laughs> joke in our family. And my mom was a teacher and she loved love theater and i so and my father loved theater too they met doing theater when they were in college so i always had that sort of love from from them was introduced and supported that's great so when
2: you were going when you were going to college did you know okay i'm gonna go to new york after this or did you think you could do something in the chicago theater scene i mean what did you have a goal so i
0: was finished i finished three years uh at Goodman School of Drama in Chicago. I love Chicago. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to stay in Chicago and just stay here. And there was a, a the Alley Theater came through and uh, was looking for a young kid to play in the happy time. We ha- They auditioned us. I got accepted. I got cast. It was a big deal. So I was going to go to the Alley Theater right after. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to stay in Chicago. And then at the same time, the national tour of Greece came through and they had auditions. So we auditioned there. I got accepted into that show, cast in the show. I had to call uh, or write a letter to the alley theater to say, I can't come down. I'm going to pick this Broadway show. And they were very nice and said, listen, we totally understand, but just so you know, in the future, in your career, if you commit to something, commit to it. And I, I was like, Ooh, okay. And I, I had learned that lesson. I, I've, I've, I'm very much into that now, but at the time I was a kid. So, I got—I uh, left Chicago. I had every intention on staying. I, lo- I think it's a great theater town. I got up, I left, took a train, and went to New York, and and did Greece, and that was it. And I just stayed there. That was, that was what I did.
2: All right. So tell us about this Greece experience.
0: <sighs> <Yes>. Well, okay. <laughs> so it's this is a this is again lessons. So and This is good students do, i think so i went in this was in the fifth year fifth sixth i don't know it, they had been there for a long time here i was a young kid and i, oh, I by the way i was un, i got cast as an understudy one of oh, the guy who was playing duty in the show hurt his leg so i was cast in an understudy i came to new york i was still in this thing of doing exercises and vocal warmups and you know people would have a cigarette and look at me like what the hell are you doing we're doing we're doing grease for crying out loud we've all been doing it for years just get the hell on stage and know your lines where you're supposed to be but i was this job so i went on for duty it was all fine and then but i had to do other uh i was cast in other roles which i really wasn't right for but um uh, i was on one dive for i don't know mckinicki or something it was, it was not a good fit and uh the producer was there and uh, he saw the show and i got a call to come to the producer's office and it was like a day later i walked in and uh they fired me they 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 fired me from the show now you have to understand i i was young I had made a big deal. They had made my hometown paper made a big deal, and something in the Washington Post. It was like a big deal that I was there. All my friends knew everything. And he says, "You're not right for this." I saw you. You're not right. We're going to let you go. I came back to the theater. It was a matinee. I didn't know what to do. I I found myself in the bottom of the Royale Theater in a corner crying. I mean, just just broke down, cried. Thought, "What am I going to do? What am what What am I going to do?" And I thought, well, I only have one, two choice. I could leave the business and not do this anymore, or I could get up, finish my contract, and and get out. And that's what I did. And uh, it was in the long term of really, that's what you do. It's 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 a it, it can, you have some really hard times in this business. And I ended up doing a off off Broadway play of Mrs. Dally has a lover that I fell in love with acting again because at that moment I was like, I guess I don't want to do this. or I'm not good enough. So that was my Broadway debut. I got my equity card. I got, I was making, I don't know, $300 a week thinking I'll never make more in my life. A lot of money. Maybe it was 125, I don't know. But that that was a big turning point for me. So,
3: And it was, was like there. your big break, but also like your big, you know, disaster moment. I mean, I feel like everyone Cheers. in their career has big moments, and but usually they're not yeah. intertwined with the same show. Usually it's yeah. like, oh, that was a flop show. It didn't work out. But yeah. rare that it's... No. talking and, and that you had, you decided to keep, going uh, i absolutely remember in a fetal position just
0: crying going what and, and i had to tell people upstairs and i just uh i just peter gallagher was actually playing zuko at the time mm-hmm. and then years later i was i got nice to work with him as a director uh but i he just looked at me and i told him and he just you know he he was very incredibly supportive and said it's a, it's a crappy thing that happened, but you'll learn that there'll be other things that will happen and you'll have to make decisions to move forward and that that may be much stronger at that time. How, and how uh, old were you God I had just been I just got out of school so I went straight 18 oh, 19, wow. I was 20 I was 20, 21. Yeah wow. so it was uh, right, straight out of school. I mean like he, mm-hmm. exactly what you said it was highs and lows. it was like such a high to get a job. In a Broadway show And then Kept fired From a Broadway show
2: And you know We always ask Our, our guests When you were auditioning What was your go-to Audition song?
0: <laughs> uh, Mama a Rainbow From Minnie's Voice That was good, uh, that, Yeah Good one I, I, That was my thing And then I I did a, What did I do I did another song I forgot for the other But that was my big song that, was, that's that, that was the Scott rainbow. Ellis standard. Mama, <laughs> a, a, ra- <laughs> a rainbow. By the way, but can I just say, I've never heard it since. Never, it has never, of all the auditions I've been there, I've never heard anyone come in and singing Mama Rainbow. They're I would intimidated by your performance. I guess so. They just, they, you know, that's just around the, the Broadway athletes, I guess. <laughs> Don't touch that song. Don't <laughs> Ellis did it in a way that you just can't do that. <laughs> Oh dear God! So
2: natural. I love it. All <laughs> right, so let's let's talk a little bit. About, you were doing a lot of um, off Broadway, correct? You were doing yes, and doing mm-hmm. all that. Okay. Yeah. How do you think the and and then now as a director, you work so much in the off Broadway scene. How do you think the off Broadway scene has changed from when you were acting in it in the seventies and eighties to the to the scene that you're involved in now?
0: Well, I think you know. I think it's. Listen, it, it was healthy then, or I remember it as being healthy. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot more experimental stuff going, going on. But I wouldn't say it's an off-Broadway. I think off-Broadway is trickier now. You know, mm. the finances to finance something off-Broadway, and I know this as a director. It's 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 very hard. So. I'm not sure as much experimenting is happening now as it was then Mm -hmm. where you could take more chances here. The finances are dictating uh, a lot as far as what you can try and can't do. And usually now it's going out of town and going to regional theater, which is all fine, but it's not. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was fortunate I was able to do it and certainly people do off Broadway. There is a, healthy off-broadway but i do think it's different
2: it's a it's a different scene right now yeah Have, do you want to ask uh, ask about your album that you well i
3: surprised scott earlier but i'm gonna hold it up again <laughs> <laughs> i'm holding up the, uh, the original cast little. album called musical oh, chairs a new musical listeners uh, <laughs> this is a we might call this a lesser known show oh uh, really yeah <laughs> but uh yeah, what, i call it So tell me you know, now there's some names on here, though, that fascinate me, like Susan yes. Stroman and, yes. uh, you know, um, uh, Peggy Clark to the Lighting. Um, I've got some Joy Friends in here. So, yeah. now what yeah. was musical chairs and were there chairs? Were. <laughs> 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 did you switch around them and sit down? And by the way, so that way. Right? Also, wait, <laughs> you know, Scott, before, before we go, check yeah. that out. Look and there's again. a me. <laughs> is oh, that him that dancing guy?
0: my oh yeah you better god, believe that it. is me dancing uh, well, i'll that's take a picture of you
3: guys and post this so you can actually see <laughs> i love it because i have a feeling that's not on that's not on bygone
1: broadway yet <laughs> I, we haven't
3: I, I do not
0: believe heartache. that's around uh <laughs> so musical, uh, yeah,
3: uh
1: musical
0: that show. was done that was uh god what theater was it talk about off broadway it was in the upper west side it was a it was a piece that was done in this theater of. Uh, on Seventy Third Street, and like upstairs, downstairs, no, not no. Up. It was a theater near Central Park. Uh, uh, there's no, it's not a theater up there anymore. I forgot. I'm surprised it doesn't say on the album. But I'll, I'll be. Uh, I, I don't even know who the writer is. Uh, Tom, what was his name? Uh, Savage. Tom, Tom Savage. Tom Savage. Tom's, Tom's mother bankrolled the whole thing. So we were oh, of all Broadway, project. yeah, Vanity Project for his her son, and we moved to uh, the Rialto Theater when they had just turned it back from uh, a porn pornhouse. They that was the first show we were we were on in that in that space, and um, I think it was the Rialto. Yes, I'm pretty sure. God, look at me. Anyway, that show was yeah it it wasn't it wasn't very good, but I had a big number. I had a big 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 number uh about my girlfriend sally who everyone said was not going to show up to uh the theater and i sang that she was and i did this big dance and i got an agent through that show oh. i got a big agent through that show that saw me and i met susan stroman so those were the two huge things that changed my life stro you know we, 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 we best best friends and we Mm. we collaborated many many times and that happened when we met uh years later but that's that's we i did the first the first show i ever directed i asked her to choreograph, and that was because of musical chairs crazy crazy awesome and And listeners
3: you can listen to that susan Strowman interview for her side of things because yeah it's exactly the same but does she she talk does she mention? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she oh talks yeah. About meeting yeah. you. Oh my gosh. Of yeah, course. Yeah. 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 No, it's a love God. fest. God. Okay. So,
2: so, did you know how to roller skate before the rink?
0: Oh. Oh. Okay. So my my rink story. I, I went in and auditioned for the rink, and um, I uh I went through callback by callback, candor and Ebb, huge thing, and uh I did a final um, a, a choreography thing with, with uh, Graciela and we had to improvise and I improvised for whatever reason I could do the robot. So she said, improvise something that would happen on the street. So I started doing this robot and I was really good at it. I, I showed it to Kelly O'Hara, which she laughs and she asked me to comment at when we were doing kiss me Kate. And I, I thought I was going to die because I was so by the end thinking I'm so tights now i can't move but i did the robot and i took i took my hand and i went right to her and we were supposed to be a gang member and i took my finger and i just went boom like right out of like i was gonna shoot her or something which now is inappropriate but at that time and i saw her look at me so i got did get her her notice now we jump to a callback that we had to go down to the roxy which was a very famous nightclub roller skating place. And we had a skate. Now I happened to be a hot dog roller skater. I was, I skated when I was a kid, I had no problem. So we went in, they gave us skates. I looked around the stage manager there and there was only a small group of us. And I said to him, I said, is this the final callback? And he said, no, no, no. This is, if you can skate, you're in the show. And I thought, okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me that if I can get up there and skate, I'm going to have this huge show with Candor and, F. and I got up there, and let me tell you, I've never skated better in my entire life. And I could, I mean, I could, I could, not I can't do it anymore, but I could do shoot the duck and, and turns and skate. I mean, I was so comfortable on them that uh, I got the show. And as much as Stroh changed my life, then that show also changed. I don't, I'm realizing now there are a lot of shows that changed my life, but that was really what changed my life because, A, I got to be in that show, which was an incredible experience. With Cheetah and Liza and all those, and Candor and ebb. and then I approached John and Fred about directing *Flora the Red Menace*, and that's how my directing career started. And they gave me my first shot uh, directing the show. And they asked me, "Have you ever directed anything?" I said, "Not, not really." And they said, "Okay, well, here it is. You can you it. want it."
3: Why, uh, why Flora? Why, why of uh, you know all their shows?
0: Of all their shows, I was fascinated that it dealt with communism during that period of time. I knew it was in a show that people did, so I, I thought, well, listen, this is a. Sh-. I, I loved A Quiet Thing. I, I grew up listening to the album, so I don't know. I just think it was something that, I mean, it's a very good question. I, I just remember really liking the piece and, and thinking, well, this might be small enough to be able to attack, but they gave me their agent's phone number sam cohen and people who don't know sam cohen name was a very he was the agent of yeah. the agent agent of the stars he was major and i had to call the office and uh and tell them what i wanted to do and see if i could get the rights which of course i was going to but they for some reason sort of said yeah deal with sam and so that was how my that's how that all started so the rink was a huge thank god i could roller skate and thank god i could do a robot
2: why did why did you want to direct? You you just done a you just done a Broadway show and
0: yeah yeah you know what I think I think that goes back to your first question as far as I I guess it was just somewhere in my my mind I thought oh it might be interesting to to try this I know Uta, but when she mentioned that that triggered something in me thinking well why can't directors be you know connecting and I, I I don't know it just. I just thought I, I would do it. And I will say this story is that I was at, we worked on that show for three years around Fred Ebbs kitchen table. I mean, that's, you talk about learning from learning how to do a musical. We sat with John and Fred around a kitchen table for a couple of years, just working. I brought in Stro, I brought in this uh, writer, Tom Thompson, Tommy Thompson, who was a friend. And we just sat, we learned, we were like being taught a master class with, Candor and him, but Candor and always, always treated us equal. It was incredible.
2: What are some um, of the big lessons you learned around that kitchen table that you still take with you today when you're working on a new project?
0: Collaboration. Collaboration. That you, you have to listen. You have to you have to accept everybody's uh, thoughts and opinions. There's not a sense of dismissing. Because you thought if, if, if two people could dismiss, dismiss, it was John and Fred. Could have to these three young kids, and they only re- only treated us with respect. So I've learned that as a, as collaborating on project, you listen. There's not there's no one voice. It has to become a whole uh, group of voices, and that was so. Uh, how
2: I did learn. you How did you know what to do on that first day of rehearsal? <laughs> you know, when all these eyes are looking at you.
0: Listen, I, I, I think I was just like let's i did i used to do shows as a kid growing up in the and you know my basements maybe i just you know got skates together did that i don't know i i faked it somewhat i just pretended i knew what i was doing i also uh we started rehearsals and i lost the lead actor uh who left the show and i was i thought wow this is i've got to replace a lead and uh peter forchette with someone that i was friends and I had done a workshop and i called him and i said would you come in and do this and john and Fred didn't know who he was and they fell in love with him and he, he did this so i don't know i do remember this i remember sitting in tech on floor of the red menace in the, in the vineyard theater and it took us a while to get a theater to say yes to us but but uh doug said yes always be grateful for that and i was sitting behind the table and I remember thinking, oh, I'm really comfortable here. I'm really comfortable. And I remember that aha moment of going, I don't know why this feels feels right to me. And that's, that's it. I mean, I, I don't know. God knows I've had many times. <laughs> not, I've not felt comfortably behind a table, believe me. But that was, thank God, that day I felt good. You
2: know? How do you think your directing style has changed from that first experience to your most recent?
0: Uh, my, I was living up in Washington Heights and I blocked, I took penny, I had a set and I took pennies and I put, I put names on all of them and I blocked that whole thing out, blocked everything out. And I had very strong ideas of what I wanted. And slowly that, I shouldn't say slowly, it actually happened fairly fast. I... Uh, you have to prepare. It's, I do it in television all the time. You do all your shots, you figure it out, and you throw it all out the window. So I had plans. I always have a plan, uh, but I'm always throwing out the window and hope there's better things that are going to come. So that's been the biggest change. And uh, I always say to I love actors, mainly because I was around actors. I wasn't an actor. I, I have that understanding and I love actors. And I do believe, hopefully, I set up a room that one can have a good time. I have no control once, it's, once the critics come in, but I have control in creating a, a positive room.
2: So walk, walk us through a first day with, with you on a, on a Scott Ellis-helmed project.
0: Uh, I am very big on sitting at a table. So I, there are two things that happen. Uh, I, since I'm literally I'm in the middle of it now would Take Me Out, Hopefully, we'll continue it. And then with a musical, I'm just going back to Tootsie so, uh, or Kiss Me K, It was that happened the same season. So I remember – let's just say for right now, let's just say it's a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the musical, it's different. I will set up the day. We'll introduce. We show the sets. We show the design. We talk about – everything conceptually, the visual, how it's going to be. I try to get people excited in the room. Then we sit down, and on a musical, we break out and start music right away. And we spend three, four days learning the music separately. Then I will come back. And by the way, I didn't used to do this, but now this is what I do. Then I come back and then 4 days into it now we're going to sit on with music stands and we're going to read the show or sit around a table read the show for the first time and everybody sings for the first time so there's two things that happen a you you hear the piece you hear everything you see if it's all landing and b it's the first time everyone is hearing somebody else do something and that's always a big rush that's a huge rush to hear let's just say kelly o'hara sing you know one of her songs i mean that's a that's a huge thing and then or anything and then the other thing is uh is you just get a sense of what the whole piece is and then that way you can you know start but then i stay at the table i always stay at the table i love table work i don't Uh, You talked about an off-Broadway show, which I'm not going to mention, but as an actor, I remember being push to get on its feet now listen all directors are differently every direct i don't comment on every director works the way they work and some directors i know like to get on their feet i don't because i remember that panic as an actor going i'm an to ask uh, answered questions i don't understand certain things and why am i being pushed up here to now start making choices where i would that felt eyes were on me and so that's
2: how do, you, how do you lead an effective tablework session?
0: Uh, again, I'm trying to think of, of two really specific specific things: <clears throat> Take me out, which I'm in the mid- middle of, and twelve angry men. I'm just taking two plays sure. that are that are very different, but well, in some ways they're not. They're all male. I just thought of that. But uh, I think' it's, it's, it's allowing I, I say, please don't push. Please, I'm not looking for performances. I'm not looking for any of that. All I'm looking for are for the words and for a beginning of understanding of what this piece is and questions. Questions. And by the way, I don't have the answers to all the questions. Bring them up. Let's talk. Let's start communicating. No voice should be not heard, even though sometimes I want actors to shut up. And that's and I love actors. But sometimes I do want to say, okay, no, no more. No more questions no, But uh, we we do that and we sit around and, 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 and then slowly, both 12-year men and, and take me out, I started this. And it's actually something that's helped a lot. So we're around that for, for as many as long as I feel we need to be around it. It could be a week. It could be three days, four days. And then I slowly say, this time, when we read, if you feel like getting up, If you feel motivation-wise, you have to get up and walk away or walk toward or to start doing that. So the lift off the table is not as severe as, okay, put the books away, put the tables Mm. away. They've already gotten up and started breathing into it. And that uh, I have found that has, has been incredibly helpful, and uh, that's how I do it.
2: It's just, it feels like a
0: seamless transition from it. It should not feel yeah. like such a drastic thing. Of okay, oh god, because it's hard. Actors it's terrifying. It's so hard. It's yeah. terrifying. It's
3: safe for terrifying. actors to make yeah. choices then, and to that's really right. Feel like oh, I don't have to worry about making the right quote unquote right. right choice. It's there, wrong choice. Wrong choice. Wrong choice. Great. Yeah, great. It's it's
0: a, I, I've said this several times. I said it's sort of like like putting someone on tightrope and actor has to go from you know a cross the tightrope over here and here's the thing they will fall they will and they should fall and they should be able to feel like they can try something else to get on the other side but there's a safety net down there, and the safety net is basically saying there is no right or wrong right now. Try it, get back up, let's go again, and at some point we're going to get closer and closer to the other side, and we will discovered what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if I think, I believe, if actors feel safe in a room, then they're able to to create. If you don't feel safety, things start start tightening up
2: when you start to when you start to work on a scene so let's say for example in kiss me kate uh, you know fred and yes. lily's first scene in the dressing room together do yes. you yes. tell the actors ahead of time okay look this is a scene about x y and z and here and you need to do this and she needs to do that okay let's see what happens
0: no how, no not at all how do you so how do you approach done, that well certainly we've talked a lot around the table so we've talked about We've talked about relationships. We've talked about history. I think history is really important. So when we're when we're up and starting to work, we already have an understanding of where we've come from, where they've come from, what is the, the history. Not to say that that can't change, but I like asking asking those questions. So I think that's uh, that's that's a beginning. So. I don't really say a lot. I just said here's the room. Here's let's say that dressing room. We know, let's go over, we know what just happened. We know we don't know what's going to happen because we're playing the reality of the scene. So it's just really what is the situation before you walk into this dressing room and uh, making sure we understand that. And then I, we get up and play. I always that's I use that word all the time. Let's just play. Let's just play. I go mm. and then I always say, listen, I don't know. But why don't we why don't we try this? Or do you have something? So that's what
2: it is. Interesting. So like for something on like you can't take it with you, where yes, you're you're sitting there and I'm assuming that every single actor in that room is pretty much coming from a different rehearsal methodology.
0: That is correct. That's correct. Right. <laughs> that is very correct. <laughs> and the By play the way, has it was a that was a glorious, glorious Oh, yes. Glorious room. Glorious. But yes, every there were some different personalities. I,
2: values, so, I can imagine. You know. Um, yes. And so how do you then get everybody into the same world, especially when it's also a style
0: piece? I mean, I don't know if you yeah. like the word style, but you can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, y- yes, I, I hear what you're saying. And there is a there is a style to it. And again, it's a good question. I I think I think. People say, and I believe this, that 70, 70, 75% of the director's job is casting. And that is very true. That, that you have to cast. I cast, and that's the one, I have a lot, of, I have a lot of things that I'm not confident about in my life and I uh, can give you a list. Casting is not one of them. Casting, for some reason, I've always felt good about and I feel I go with an instinct. And uh, sometimes an actor will come in and I, I barely work with them because I just have a sense this is who I want. Others I will work more. So, in that particular case, that was a beautifully cast show, meaning they were great actors. So, I take small responsibility to that. I said, please come and join and play. But uh, so you have to just trust them. Now, that play in particular, they all are crazy. They're all crazy. Mm-hmm. All over, you know, they're, they're, the actors are crazy in a loving, lovely way, and the characters are crazy. But what I, the one note I told them is I said, none of you can think there's anything wrong in this house or that anyone is crazy. This is just normal. This is how your life is. There's no outside sort of we're wacky and crazy. You're not. You're just living in this house together. And and so you can't play at any of that. So that grounded everybody, hopefully, in a way that um, they were able to listen, not perform, not be crazy people, because that's not what that's not what that was. Yeah. So I think that's how that's the, the, the main thing. And keeping... Keeping your eye out for things that are just like okay, well, as when Anna Lee starts, you know, <laughs> figure out a dance, you go okay, well, that that's pretty good. Let's try that. <laughs> or yes. Julie, Julie Halston, who I'll never forget. And I'm again, it was a glorious, glorious uh, rehearsal process. I mean, you have James Earl Jones crying out, "Come on!" I know. You know, no one misbehaved. <laughs> uh, but at one time, I I said Julie, I have it when we were in tech. I said, you know, take just take your time going up these stairs. And she had this huge long exit where she crawled up the stairs and uh, she just started. And I gave her that note. We were in previews one time and, and uh, and I said, just go up the stairs, take your time, but never ever stop laughing. Just keep going. Just keep going. And it was one of those moments. I was just a Julie Halston thing that I saw. I kept my eyes open. I thought, Ooh, she did something. I bet she can continue doing it. And so it's, it's a lot of that.
2: You have been blessed, I think, with doing so many revivals on Broadway. So when you, when you get to that, do you go, all right, let me research the old production or the previous production and see? Or do you go, you know what, keep that outside. That's a different version of this.
0: It's, it's a very tricky, tricky, tricky thing to, yeah. to do. I remember Tony Walton, when we were doing 1776, he, when I started meeting with him, he had brought all the pictures in from the original production. And I, there was a moment I was like, Oh crap, should I be looking at this? What should I do? And, but he said, I, there would, it would be foolish not to go back and look at what has been done because you learn from that. Mm. And I sort of, I sort of embraced that I don't go back and look until I have a very clear sense of what I'm interested in doing. Uh, but I do, yes, I do, there's nothing that I, uh, that I won't go back and look. And by the way, when I do a revival, and I, I did it with Hal several times uh, with She Loves Me and then 20th Century. And uh, I, both times when he was in the audience, I came and pulled him up on stage at the end of the show. And I basically said, listen, this show... Successful or not successful could not have happened without the original team. Impossible. I get the, in a revival, they get to, they have to figure out so much new stuff. Having done new musicals, that's really hard. When you're doing a revival, you have the benefit of knowing the core works, and you can now expand and play, but you really can't. Do that as much when you're trying to create and see if the bones work the bones work so i, I always give credit to uh to the original teams and so that's why I, I i feel it's okay to go back into into that uh into the world and and look as much as i as much as i can
3: Good morning, Mama. Liza, darling. We've got to help the boys it behind the curtain. Oh, Broadway's living legends. Oh, it's marvelous. Well, what, what would they like, some cream of wheat? No, Mama, they want some money. Money? Well, let's send him a great big bag of money. No, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com. You know, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and and you set up a monthly donation. Money makes the world go around, Mama. Oh, don't I? No, Patreon.com. Do it now. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: So for something like Tootsie, which is original from yes. the round up, yeah. How, yeah. how do you begin that process? This is a movie from the eighties. It's beloved. How do you bring it into the 21st century? Can you, well, yeah, that? For, yeah.
0: yeah, the first question, and I give much credit to Robert Horn, uh, the first question is: When I was pulled onto that project, it had been around for quite a long time, and they were trying to figure it out. And they had given me the original piece, and I actually passed on it. I just thought this is sort of a mess, and it, it, it. so the producer Scott Sanders, great guy, said, "Would you at least would you talk to me and tell me?" So I told him my thoughts, and they said, "Would you talk to the writers?" And I said, "I really don't want to because I just it's not something I want to do." But he said, "I appreciate it." So I did sit down with him, and I just said, "Hey, here's." All I know is that if, you're gonna, if we're going to go along this journey on Tootsie, A, we've we got to bring it up to date. Not that they were not bringing it up to date, but you've got you to gotta deal with what it is right now to be an actor. And, and most important, you've got to care about those people. And, and I said, if, if you care about them, if you're really connected with those people, you will forget the film you will go on this journey and the journey will be familiar, but it's not a stamp. And I believe I've been offered a lot of shows from movies that their idea is let's stamp it and just do what it is. And I have just have had no interest in that. Why just go to the movie, you know, just go see the movie. So this was different. And, and Robert found this beautiful way of, of, of finding it. And we all really worked hard to, to shape it into something that's familiar and yet very very different and very new so that was sort of thrilling i thought do you do you like having the writers in the room while you work i do i don't mind it i i feel and i'm i I, maybe i learned that on television i don't know because when you're doing television writers your writer is there all the time or or a writer is there and i want the writer there i want the writers there because they're part of the storytelling and if if me as a director am not doing that correctly, if I'm not showing what they're trying to make across to tell this story, then I'd rather them tell me. So I don't mind. I know, again, no comment on, no no judgment on anybody, no judgment on direct. Some directors say, get out of here, come back when when I'm done with the first pass of this thing and that's great and some writers don't want to be around Richard Richard Greenberg who we, we were just with taking out he didn't want to be around for any of it he I had to beg him to come in 2 weeks into our rehearsal right before we had to shut down because he, I, we had more questions so I had to beg him to come and take a look at some stuff you know so it's it's very different I don't mind I don't mind people around I it's a it's a collaborative forum. I don't mind
2: how do you deal with conflict if, 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 if an actor looks at you and says, no, Scott, that's not at all what I'm going to do? <laughs>
0: it's a horrible choice. I, do, I, never, I never use them again. Never <laughs> No. No, that's not good. Uh, they will never be in another <laughs> Get show. Get out. <laughs> never. Get out. First of all, every everyone works differently. Every actor works differently. I always say it's the director's job to figure out how they work i can't expect them all to work the way i do so i've got to sort of go i mean some people love getting line readings other people would kill you if you gave them a line reading and all of that so it's a constant puzzle that you're sort of trying to feel it out see how people work and you're working with you know, Cheetah Rivera is very different than, you know, another actress and, you know, the the history and stuff. So you're constantly adjusting. And and I try to, I tell you before, like I'm a collaborative and I am, and I feel, but at some point I have to take control of ultimately what the piece is going to be. So if, if I'm not, I'm allowing play as much as I can, but at some point I'm going to have to push a dial to say okay well this is what i need for what i'm seeing now and so that's when you run into some i'm very lucky i've had very very few bad experiences in a room with right after it's just very bad <clears throat> and i um i i don't think he'll i don't think he he would you won't disagree with this, what I'm about to tell you, because it happened. And I give him full credit for, for turning around. But when when we were doing She Loves Me the second time around, and it was tricky for me because that was my first show I ever did, my first Broadway show. It was a big success. When Todd Haynes wanted to revisit it, I was so not wanting to do that. I just thought, well, I'm only going to set myself up a failure. But he, smarter than I was, and said, you should do this. So. I went in, but I made a decision. I said I would not do not one thing that I did in the first production. Nothing. I would change the set. I would change entrances. Everything would be brand new so I could get myself. But the reality is I did have a core understanding of that piece because I just did. So I went into to rehearsals, and Zach Levi was had come in. He was ultimately not the first person who was going to do it, and that there was conflict with that so i cast zach and uh lovely guy lovely guy a great guy actually but we it was challenging at the beginning it was really challenging and his approach was different than what i felt it needed to be but i take some responsibility for it because i it was very hard to me to let go of everything i knew of that piece but i knew it in a core i knew if I saw something that wasn't working, I just knew it wouldn't. And Zach was reached, was coming forward more for, I'm not going to say television because that's not fair, but he he just had ideas of who this person should be, how this person should act, all of that. So I, I feel like that was, that became a beginning of a conflict for us. Mm -hmm. And I let it go. I let it go. And at some, finally I couldn't do it anymore. And I, before we started rehearsals on it, just the spur of the moment, I pulled him into another room and I said, hey, Zach, here's the deal. I said, we have to talk. I said, there's only two things that are going to happen at the end of the conversation. Either you have to make a change of how you're going to approach this, or I'm going to, uh, I got to let you go. And that was it. it. was There were only two options. We ended up staying in that room for... It was a while. I kept sending a note to the stage manager saying, do whatever you want. And we talked about everything. And I told him, I said, "There's nothing's off limit. You can say anything to me. I can say anything to you. And one of the things he said to me was, I feel like you're holding on to that first production. And I said, I, I accept that responsibility, but it's hard for me to let go when I see something I know instinctively is not going to work. And then I would tell him something. We went back and forth. So we ended up having some agreement. And I will tell you this. He walked back in that room the moment we left that room and he turned 180 degrees. He, he could have walked out and he could have, and I would have said, that's okay. You know, it's not going to work. But so I give him full credit for going back into the room and starting to reshape that and reshape how he was working in his performance and, and He was he's he became one of the best leaders I've I've ever worked with in a company. You always have to have a leader. And he was an only guy who never missed a performance. And he was an incredible, incredible leader. Mm -hmm. And a great he was great. Got a nomination. It was a great, great performance. And I'm not saying that because I take responsibility. He took responsibility for for how he was going to look at the role. I instinctively knew things had to change. That's an extreme point and I'm glad it worked out the way it was. And as I said, I give him much credit for that. Uh, And uh, we had a great collaboration after that. It was a great collaboration.
2: What note do you find yourself giving actors the most (laughs) or, or just in general, what note do you find yourself giving the most? Maybe even to yourself, maybe
0: even to yourself. No, that's, yeah. Um, Oh, that's good. Uh, I guess my next I try <clears throat> I try not to to, to try to re, remind not to go to a result. You know, let's just let's just try to keep keep an honest connection going. And you know, again I don't know why I keep going back to Hagen, but uh, you know, she always said, you know, there's nothing too much. There's nothing there's a, as long as it's supported. There's I mean yeah. it's you know there we can find fifty million times in our lives or in a in our day or whatever that we're just so crazy because it's gotten to that point of but it's real and it's supportive and it doesn't so but if I feel like it's going off or, or that it's it's uh, it, it's just a thing that goes off in the air. I know I, I usually say I come back to see shows while they're running. To take out all the improvements that people put in, <laughs> and yep. you know, and I, I can't, and, you know, a lot of times it's just you can't see. You're, you're you're not judging. You can't judge everything that's going on. So sometimes I'll I'll just, especially for comedy, it becomes tricky because mm-hmm. you expect those laughs. It's a drug almost, and I have to remind myself sometimes. Don't go for it. Don't go for it. Just back mm-hmm. up. Let's. It's it's worth letting that laugh go and, and finding a real moment. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: looking at uh, the audition, you've sat in a lot of auditions over over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, what do you look for as a director? Let's take musical auditions. What do you look for? Yes. We have a lot of students that listen to this podcast, what what do you look for in an audition? What kind of actor-singer um, gets you excited? Well, i have
0: always, the first thing I'm always looking for is an, an actor who sings. Never a singer who acts. Always, always acting has to come first. Always. Uh, so... Uh, singing you can get better at you get a great musical d- director and you know Paul Gimignani can make anybody sound good uh, so i'm always looking for an understanding of 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 when they come in an audition whether it's with their own song they come in with a scene you know that's uh, that's what i that's what i look for and and i i i think actors who come in or students who come in you know you you have to understand before you walk in that room I want you to be great. I want you to take this fucking role and say it's mine. That's what I want. So don't try not to come in going, oh God, they're going to hate me. Believe me, I understand. But try to come in. So if someone comes in with a secure sense of, here I am, I'm going to show you what I do. And uh, I've made a choice, I've made some choices. And I like people who make choices. And then if I can give them a note and they can adjust, that's better. Uh, and, and that's it, that's it, you know, and, and and that's all you can be control of. You have to know as an actor, there's so many other things that go in for making a decision, so many other things. And all you can do is walk out of the room and go, you know what? I felt good. I felt connected. I felt good. There's no way you're not going to go, well, why didn't I get it if I don't get it? Or what is it? That's human nature. But I always say, just try to understand. That's all you're in control of. And it, it can come down to many different things. So just try to embrace your control over coming into the room. That's it. Yeah.
2: I wanted to jump back a little bit and ask you, when you did Flora at, at the Vineyard, did you yeah. know it was going to be the talk of the town? I mean, what were no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God, no. Are you kidding me? That's tiny little space with, what, 90, 90 seats? Who knew? Uh no i i had no clue i had i had no clue it was uh that was a big surprise i do remember coming up with the idea of putting it in a um in the environment uh of the uh of during that period of time uh uh, and and putting murals uh all those famous you know, Thomas, Thomas Benton murals around the theater as if that I loved I remember oh I found a great framing device for this for this space so uh, I remember think feeling good about that but no had no no clue that it would it would blow up like that. None was it. So and from that show, I got I got. That's where my career, you know, pushed off.
2: And so what? So I'm assuming that their openness of collaboration is what made you going back to Candor and Ebb. So yes, so yes. often. And
0: Whose idea was it? And the world goes round. Well, I think I'm, I'm going to I'm going to maybe I'll give myself some credit. Although it could have been Stros. I don't know. It was the <laughs> three of us. But I'll just pretend I did for a moment. And my whole thing was they did a, a review of their stuff, which I'm t- a two by five or two by three or something. I don't know, years ago. And I was, I, as an actor, I did a play with Olympia Dukakis at the whole theater. Uh, this Billy Bishop goes to war. So we became friends. And I just said to John and uh, to Stroh, or to Tommy, and maybe the three of us did it together. I want to work with it. Let's, let's find something else to do with them. And so we, decided to uh, let's talk about a review uh, maybe a review so we went back to them and said is this possible they said we love that idea and we just started working we asked for everything that they ever wrote and we started shaping it into this show and i i went back to olympia and i said is this something that you could look at and she said yes so we ended up doing it the whole theater first and uh but it was just sort of this I think it worked so well because the three of us loved them so much, and it was such a great collaboration. And they treated us, as I said before, with Floyd, with such respect. And um, and a huge part of that success is that Strowe show with Stroh's stuff. You know, it was just a phenomenal dance movement of that piece. The structure of it, I will give all the three of us credit because we structured it fairly well as, as far as reviews are concerned. But her some of her stuff was just incredible.
2: Yeah, the structure of the review is, is pretty perfect. It's, it's
0: pretty, pretty perfect. It's, yeah. I, I, it's, pre- it's pretty perfect, yes.
2: Can, we, can yeah. we talk about one of our favorite shows with, that we're hoping will come back at someday, and that's Steel Pier? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, would, would, you, would you talk to us a little bit about the, how that project came about and the
0: preview period and how that informed changes
2: and all that stuff?
0: Well it came about cuz we were looking again for something for to do with Candor and Ebb. and um the hardest thing for musicals new musicals is find the source material. Right. You know, it's so hard to look and go can this be musicalized? Can this music and this what we started working on was um they shoot horses don't they? That's what we first did and then we couldn't get the rights. We went down for a while and we thought that would be a really interesting piece. So we sort of based an original idea off that that idea, and said, "Okay, let's do, let's keep it in the dance, let's keep it in that world, and then create our own story." Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's sort of what we'll, that's what we did. We just started with that that idea of that. It's an original story. Tommy came up with that whole idea of of, of him coming back to find his true love and getting a second chance. And, uh, we, uh, we did a lot of readings, a lot of workshop. Those were the days when you really, you did a big workshop, yeah. you know, so to present it to, I mean, you still do it, but you don't, they're not as many workshops on its feet. You do readings. Tootsie. We got all our money from doing a couple, you know, stage, mm-hmm. I mean readings or something, but for that, we did full dance. Stro did the whole dance marathon and that, uh, doing that whole thing. And, uh, it changed. You know, it's funny. I'm trying to remember how much it changed. It didn't change drastically during, during that, you know, time. It was, I remember the first, oh, this is an interesting thing I have learned. I don't do dress rehearsals, invited dress, because we, because I don't believe you learn anything from an invited dress. And I just say no, because I will tell you that first, that invited dress for Steel Pier was pretty thrilling. It was, it was thrilling. It was people in the business. It was great. The paying audience that was not mm. so great. Right. That was just like a whole different show. It's like they were not. It was a whole different thing. So I just remember going, "I'm never doing this again. I will not do that." And so the show came back, when the real audiences came in, they were looking at it differently. So we did make adjustments to it, but was it wasn't it massively changed? I don't. I'm trying to think. We even changed out a number maybe we did uh maybe we I think we did actually have a new number written uh but the the core of it was there the core of is what we liked and what we wanted to do and it was a beautiful looking show you know Tony Walton and it was beautiful, William. I long, so uh, so yeah. It was it was a it was, a, it, it, it was really a special.
2: Would you tell us a little bit about your position at Roundabout and how you got involved on that side
0: of things? Sure. Right. That started with Todd Haynes calling me after he saw the world goes round and said, "I, I just wanted to meet you. I really love that show. Uh, would you, I just want to know you?" And then he offered me of a show. Oh, my God, I'm trying to remember what it was. The show-off, the show-off. He he offered me the show-off. He was the first one that offered me a show. So I was couldn't do it because I had to go up to... Uh, we went up to Canada to do the World Goes Round. Uh, Garth Tabinsky was producing that. Oh. So yeah, that's another whole, uh, whole story there. Uh, oh God. Uh, so Garth was producing it. We went up there. I couldn't do it. So then... I came back to Todd and said, listen, would you ever consider doing a musical? Because roundabout, right they weren't doing musicals. And they said, well, I guess we, you know, we've talked about it. And I gave him She Loves Me. And I oh. said, listen to this. This is a great, great musical. Great musical. And uh, he listened. He loved it. He said, okay, let's try it. And I went to... Uh, to the writers and Sheldon, and I, I, they were all alive. Everyone was alive, and and uh, we. I sat down. I said, I don't want to do too much to it, but uh, but uh, do it. So we did the show. After the show was a big success for Roundabout, and by the way, there were so many moments when I think Roundabout, I tell this story, Roundabout was just so like freaked out because they had never done a musical. They had no clue how to do a musical. They didn't know the expense. They asked me, why do you need two rehearsal rooms, two piano, I mean, nothing. They knew nothing. Thank God it worked out well because Todd says they would never do a musical again and they would have lost a lot of money. So we did it. After that, Todd asked me that. if I would be... A, if I'd like to come in and be a sort of, you know, someone connected as a resident, you know, director and stuff. And and at the same time, the Needlelanders came forward and asked me to come in, in the, for the Needlelander family. So it was a great, great uh, thing to to have. Jump to Todd gave me that present thing. He gave me another offer to do a play. I was very involved. And he, at one moment, was going to leave the theater. He was going to leave the theater and take over uh when garth all that fell apart live that live so they had asked todd to do that so todd came to me and said listen i think i'm going to do this and are you interested in taking the theater, Cur- the theater and i'll be really honest not so much because he's so brilliant what he does and he's also understands the money part of that and all of that so i was scared checklist but I said, well yes, of course, you know. And then that fell apart. And I then he said, Why didn't you come on as my associate? So that's how that that happened. He stayed, thank God he stayed. Uh, I ran it, I don't know if that theater would be live, but uh <laughs> he stayed stayed and I became an associate there. And then um uh so that's that's my uh what does, what
3: does what does that mean other than directing the occasional show? But what does that mean, like artistically? That, what do you do for artistically? Them? My position is it's it's the best, the
0: best of the best. <laughs> uh, meaning Todd, let's, Todd is like very. You you I've I've directed at Lincoln Center at Second Stage in any commercial theaters in London, and he's always you do what you want to do what I get to do is bring him shows to look at. He can bring me shows to look at. And he, so that's my, that's the best. uh, That's, that's just, that's how it works. So I'm there to help out, to help look at seasons, but Todd makes those decisions. He, I'm there to support that. He is the one that, Decides what shows he's going to do. He he decides all that. So uh, so I just have this incredible position that I'm able to.
3: That's, great. You know, That's yeah, incredible. That seems to be working because you've yeah. been there for a couple. Of years. I've been there for a long
2: time. <laughs> You're enjoying a few, it. And a few years, you. And then Scott, our last question for you is: is yeah. you know what do you know now that you wished you had known when you were starting out? If you could, if you could talk to the young man walking into first rehearsal of Flora, what do you wish? That he musical could know chairs. that you know your musical
0: chair. <laughs> my musical chairs. Um, what? It's funny. I, I I tell this story of walking out of of Goodman, graduating, sort of the same 70, 76 thing. But your college, you know, if yeah. someone, I'm like, yeah, if my college, and if someone would have stopped me, tapped me on the shoulder there, and said, "Hey, in the next 15 years, 20 years, or whatever, these are the people you work with." this is the opportunities you'll have. This is, I mean, not never, 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 would I certainly as a in seventh grade, I wouldn't have believed it, but even after college, I wouldn't have believed that. So that's a nice friendly reminder of me to say, you know, there. if I had to talk to myself back then and I've gotten better at it, uh, it's not about the room because we have no control over what critics will say or what, what thing, uh, Maybe I would say try to live in the moment a little bit more. You know, there were things at the beginning of my career that were just I was rushing by because you're trying to get a career on track and stuff, and sort of appreciate that. Which I think I I have done that, and I would encourage myself as I always try to do is to take just to take chances. You know, mm-hmm. to 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 take chances. And that, you know, I went back, I was really lucky. I got to go back to my high school uh, last year. And I'd been there a couple of years earlier because they had done curtains and they had asked nice. me to come back or talk to the kids. And I decided to come back and I brought Deb Muck with me and we, uh, I talked to the kids and I saw the production. It was very sweet. And then I was asked to be their keynote speaker at the graduation. So I went back there 40 forty some years later and I, uh, I told them this story about Greece, and I told them walking, walking out of that, that high school knowing I was gay and not accepting that at the beginning. And I only really started living when I accepted that. And I was back there now with my husband and my two kids, and they're watching me. And, and, but I, my main thing was uh, passion and failure got to find your passion and you must fail and failure is just as important as the success and that you have to learn to accept that breathe and move on and that failure will happen to everybody and uh, that would that's something that i would you know say that was a big big thing and i probably would have just reminded myself that a little bit earlier That's
2: that's great. Scott, I can't even begin to tell you how much we appreciate you spending time with us and for creating so many wonderful moments in the theater. Um, You're you're naming such quality and everyone who goes to buy a ticket to your winner's shows knows how wonderful the experience is going to be. So thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you. It really has been a pleasure. Seriously. Good. Thank, Thank you. you. Stay safe down there.
2: Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> see you all on the Everyone? other side. Back see in the you theater. on the other side. That's it. Right. Wow.
3: Thank you for listening to today's episode. And a big thanks to the Punchy Players, Jeff Marquis, who is bringing back Lucy, Betty, Judy, and more to shill for us. And
2: a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki.
3: And don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you come in.
2: In order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day.
3: Or you can leave us just one star and you can make us feel as baddie baddie bad as annie did in that really weird production in boston where annie dreamt that she was being adopted but then she ended up back where in the orphanage right back where she started yeah true story rob saw it
2: yes and it was baddie it was bizarre i was there i was oh god so head on over to itunes and make us feel even more special than we already do